Well, good morning again, church. Welcome, and, and thank you for choosing to be with us to worship this morning. Uh, for those of you, if we haven't met, if you're a guest this morning, my name's Aaron Glover, and I'm the pastor here at FBC. As I look around the room, I can't help but notice we're, we're a little heavy on, on this side. I've heard of back row Baptist, but I never heard of right side Baptist. I don't, hang on, I guess it depends which way you're looking at the room. Now, um, anyways, I hope everybody had a wonderful Thanksgiving. You know, as Matt said this morning, we have so much to be thankful for. Each and every one of us, no matter what situation we're in, no matter what we're going through in life, we can easily sit back and, and just lose count of all the blessings, all the wonderful things that God has, has done for us and that he continues to pour out on us. We are a blessed people because of God and because of his grace. Well, we are coming to the end of a series called Follow Me. A series that I originally thought was going to go for about six weeks that turned into 15 weeks. But that's the way God does whenever he decides that I didn't give him enough time with something. But we've made it to the last week. And in this series, if you remember, we've been following on the life, the teachings, and the miracles of Jesus. We've been approaching this through the eyes of the disciples. And this week is going to be our final week as we, as we wrap this up. But let's recall some of the journey we've been on over the past 14 weeks or so. If we remember, we began with Peter. And we, we thought about one of the first miracles that we read in the gospel accounts. After, Peter call, after Jesus calls Peter to follow him, he called Peter and his, uh, his brother and James and John to all follow him and become his disciples. We've seen Jesus do perform healings, feedings. He's commanded nature when he's been out on ships, whenever he tells the storm to quiet and be still. Whenever he told Peter to come walking to him on the water. We see that Jesus is Lord even over creation. We've seen him answer the question of, Lord, what's the greatest command in all the law? And he said, the greatest command is to love the Lord with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And the second is like it, to love your neighbor as yourself. And then we also saw at the Last Supper when Jesus gave them a new command. Remember, the new command is that they would love one another as he had loved them. We saw what greatness in the kingdom of God looked like as Jesus taught us through servant leadership by washing the feet of the disciples. And then we left the dinner that evening with him and went to the garden where Jesus went to pray and where he was eventually betrayed whenever Judas, one of his former followers, came with a, a band, a detachment of soldiers to arrest him. We followed along the trials and when Peter did deny Jesus, when he was asked if he even knew him. We saw Jesus abused and tortured and hung on that cross as we stood there with John and his mother until Jesus died on that cross. We witnessed his burial into that tomb, into Joseph's tomb. And then the next morning we went with Mary Magdalene as she came and found that tomb was empty because Jesus had appeared to her and told her, go and tell my brothers so the brothers came back, the disciples, they came rushing to see Jesus, and then they found an empty tomb. And Jesus told them to go wait in Galilee. And we remember the last couple of weeks we were in Galilee as they were fishing, didn't catch anything. They recognized Jesus on the shoreline. He invited them to breakfast. 
And then while also in Galilee last week, we heard the words of the Great Commission, where Jesus told them to go into the world, to go and make disciples of all peoples, from every tribe, nation, and tongue, as Revelation says, but to go make disciples of all peoples, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that He had commanded them. And His promise to them, His assurance, both an assurance of their salvation, but also an assurance of their success in this mission, was that He would be with them always. And today, what we're going to touch on is is how Jesus begins to fulfill this promise to them, as he said he would be with them always. Today, we're going to go back to Jerusalem. Why does this matter? Because as we read the scriptures, sometimes we, we can get lost. How many of you, off the top of your head, know the difference between Galilee and Judea? You know where Jerusalem is compared to Uh, You know where the Mount of Olives is, you know where Jerusalem is, you know where Bethany is. Off the top of your head, how many of you know where all that stuff is? Right, so we we can gloss over these things as we're reading, right? It happens. Last week it was important because Jesus told them to go back to Galilee. If we remember, that's where Peter had first received his calling to follow Jesus. He was a fisherman. And that's also the same place where Jesus commended Peter, follow Jesus. Me, again. Even after Peter's failures and his denials, Jesus still invited Peter, follow me. That's where he also gave them the Great Commission. But then we go back to Jerusalem, right? We go back south, back down towards Jerusalem, because Jesus has something else for the disciples. If we remember that they've been, Jesus has been appearing to them, it's a 40-day period between his resurrection And his ascension. And that's what we're going to read about today. And as we're going to Jerusalem. Jesus is going to be with them for a time. He's going to be teaching them the scriptures. It says in Acts that he was talking to them about the kingdom. And then in Luke. Luke describes it by saying that he opened their minds. To understand the scriptures. And Luke 24 is the way he describes it. But it's here. Back in Jerusalem. That we're going to see Jesus finally ascend to his father as he has predicted. We're going to begin reading in the book of Acts chapter 1 in verse 3. So Acts chapter 1 verse 3. We're going to read through verse 11 today. It says, He, Jesus, presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you heard from me. Remember a couple of weeks ago at that last supper, Jesus had promised to go ask the Father and he would send them another helper. Jesus says, you need to wait in Jerusalem for that promise, which you heard from me. Verse 5, Jesus said, For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Not many days from now. In fact, only ten days from then. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, 
Will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? Remember, Jesus had been talking to them about the kingdom of God. And he said to them, It is not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And when he had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up and a cloud took him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into heaven as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes. And said, men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way you saw him go into heaven. Now I want us to think about this passage for a second. This, we've seen miracles with Jesus. We've seen him do healings. We, we've seen a lot of things him do. We've seen him appear suddenly, but never has he been speaking to them and been taken up by a cloud and and ascended into heaven. I just want to get us into their, their mindset for a minute. So let's say you've gathered with the disciples, right? And, and Jesus, he keeps speaking of going back to his father, but he also has told you that he's going to be with you always. And as Jesus is teaching and speaking to you, all of the sudden, after Jesus tells you that you're going to be baptized with the very Spirit of God. After he tells you this, he says, you're going to be my witnesses here, there, and everywhere, all over the earth. And when he finishes saying that, a cloud comes and lifts him up into heaven. I honestly don't know how to react to that. If we're, if we're really thinking about what in those moments as I'm watching this, this man ascend from the earth, this man who was risen, this man I saw die, I saw get put in a tomb, then I saw risen again, and I've eaten with him since he's been raised, has now been taken up into heaven. I suppose we'd all kind of be doing what the disciples were doing, right? kind of funny because the scripture tells us that these these two men these two messengers these angels they ask the men of galilee why do you stand looking into heaven we just saw a guy go up into heaven what are you talking about (laughs) this is miraculous well let's let's look at this 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 passage there's in all honesty, the ascension of Christ, what it means for us theologically, we, we should do its own sermon series on what it means that Christ has ascended back to the Father. But today, what I want us to focus on, because we've been looking at following Jesus through the eyes of the disciples, I, I want to focus in on, on them and what it means for them right there, okay? Because it's a, a lot of what it means for us right now as well. Again, we're, we're back in Back in Jerusalem, Jesus has been teaching them about the kingdom. He's been teaching them about the kingdom of God. So they naturally think God's about to restore the kingdom, right? The Jews, we're finally going to take our place as God's people. Now that Messiah has come, now that he's done everything, death can't even hold this man down. We're about to take over. 
That's what they're thinking. They ask, is, is now the time you're going to restore the kingdom to Israel? And Jesus basically tells them, you got the whole thing wrong. You're, you're, you're thinking about a kingdom in a way that I have, I, I'm not talking about at all. And besides that, it's not for you to know what the Father has fixed in his plans. There's some things that are for God to know and for God only. They're not for us. He tells them, but you will receive power. And think about this. Jesus, he's been teaching them. He's been opening their minds. They are understanding the things of Scripture and the things of God like never before. If what Luke said is true, that he has been opening their minds to understand the Scripture, they are beginning to understand things like never before. But that's not enough, church. I want to tell you that. Simply understanding is not enough. It's not just about how much head knowledge and Bible trivia and Bible facts and Bible verses can get crammed into your head so that you can regurgitate them at a moment's notice. Now, those are good things, right? It's good for us to study the Scripture. It's good for us to know the Scripture. It's good for us to be able to recall those things. But if all we are is a walking encyclopedia that can recall facts... We've not been changed. We've not been transformed. We've not been made new. So when Christ is teaching them, he doesn't just stop with transforming their minds. No, he's going to do something much greater than that for them. Remember, over and over and over again, we've heard Jesus say that he's going back to his father. He's ascending back to his father. This shouldn't be a surprise to the disciples. The book of John alone, John 6, 62, 14.2, 14.12, 16.5, 16.10, 16.28, 20.17, all references where Jesus is going back to the Father, right? This should be no surprise to them. But hang on. Jesus, last week in the Great Commission, we heard the words, he said, I am with you always. But how can he be with us if he's going back to the Father? It wouldn't make sense to them. They would not understand this. We have to remember, we've heard of the Holy Spirit. We understand the Holy Spirit. Many of us, we have the Holy Spirit if you're a believer. They didn't have this yet. Their level of understanding is not where ours is. But as he's going, he promises them something wonderful in the form of a baptism, right? Look at what he says there uh, about baptism. It's a baptism unlike any other the world has ever seen. When we recall, he said John baptized with water. But you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Let's let's follow some logic here for a second. I, I want us to think through this real quick. When we perform a baptism up here at the church, we dip someone in the water, right? We do it the way the Bible says. We don't just sprinkle them. Hang on, that's a different argument. I'm going to set that one aside. That's a whole other joke. We dip someone into the water and we bring them out. And Jesus said, John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Is Jesus talking about water when he talks about the baptism of the Holy Spirit? No. 
In fact, he's contrasting the baptism of water against the baptism of the Holy Spirit. He's not saying that the baptism of water is bad, but he's not equating the two to be equal, is he? John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. If we remember the concept of baptism, what does it mean to baptize? The original word, what did it mean? It doesn't mean to to dip somebody in water. Baptize means to immerse fully. Again, jumping, if you jump into the deep end of the swimming pool, you have been baptized into the water. If you're in the deep end and you're fully underwater, where's the water at? Is it is it above you? Yes. Is it under you? Yes. Is it around you? You are fully immersed into that water. That's what Jesus is talking about here. He's not just talking about being dipped into a stream or a river. He's talking about us being baptized fully into the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit being fully baptized into us to where there's not a place we can go where we're not with the Holy Spirit or in the Holy Spirit. You see the difference? It's, it's not just being water, but it's spirit. In fact, this baptism of the Holy Spirit... This is the truth, the true baptism that water baptism is pointing to. Water baptism is nothing more than a symbol. It's nothing more than a a sign. It's a metaphor for what God has actually done to us. Let's read the words of of Paul to Titus to help see if this kind of clarifies for us. When Paul is talking to his spiritual son, Titus, he says... In uh, in Titus chapter 3, verses 5 through 6, it says that he, speaking of God, saved us not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit. Whom, notice that whom is a person, speaking of a person, whom he poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ. Did you catch that? The washing, the regeneration and the renewal is not talking about physical water here. It's talking about the Holy Spirit being poured out onto us through Jesus Christ. You follow along with me right here? Okay. Now, this pouring, how does this pouring happen? Okay, it comes through Jesus Christ. That's how we're washed. That's how we're renewed. That's how we're regenerated. I got that, but how do I get it? How do we get this washing of the Holy Spirit? Do I need to do some extra steps once I come to know Jesus? Do I need to say a certain prayer? How how do I get this Holy Spirit? Let's listen to the words of Jesus recorded in the Gospel of John. John chapter 7, verses 38 through 39. Jesus stood up and cried out, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Now this he said about the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were to receive. For as yet the Spirit had not yet been given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. Okay. 
the Holy Spirit had not yet been poured out to the disciples because Jesus had not yet ascended to the Father. In God's plan of how he planned out the redemption, the salvation, and the renewal of of man, he planned for Jesus to be glorified, and when Jesus left, his presence would stay with us through the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit would be poured out unto believers. As Jesus said, whoever believes in me, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. And John explains to us, he's talking about the Holy Spirit. So how do you receive this baptism of the Holy Spirit? How do you have the rivers of living water flowing in you? Whoever believes. Whoever believes. Christ has already been glorified. He's already been lifted up and ascended back to the Father. This hadn't happened yet for the disciples. In fact, they still had to wait another 10 days because Jesus had a really good plan about how he was going to do things. They didn't understand. They were asking him, is the kingdom going to be restored? And he said, no, no, no. You're going to receive power. You're going to receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. When I leave and he's poured out, you're going to get power. And what do they do with that power? What does that power cause them to do? And you will be my witnesses. When Jesus is raised up and the Holy Spirit is poured out on believers, that power we receive, that life we receive, that baptism enables us to be his witnesses on this earth. In Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. This isn't limited to any one space on the planet. It isn't limited to any one city or town. Jesus is saying that after he is raised up, he's going to pour himself out and enable all believers to be his ambassadors on this earth. Out of the heart will flow rivers of living water. Not only are you baptized with the Holy Spirit, into the Holy Spirit, but he's also in you, living in you as a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The source himself is in you, enabling you to be his witnesses all over the world. This is how he fulfills that promise. If we were to go back a couple of weeks, when Jesus was first talking about the Holy Spirit, he said that when he leaves, he would go ask the Father, and the Father would send them another helper. This is what Jesus is talking about. When he's talking about how they will be baptized, how they will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon them. He said, I will send you another helper to be with you forever. Behold, I am with you Always. They receive this spirit. Jesus is the fulfillment. This is how he fulfills being with us always. This is how that would be. It's that full immersion. God doesn't just stop with us with with facts and figures and mental assent. He transforms our very nature. He transforms our heart. He transforms the very spirit that lives inside of us. It's no longer our spirit, but his living inside of us. You see, they don't even understand what's about to happen. The disciples have their own plans of how this should all go. We've seen this throughout the Gospels. They think one thing. They think God ought to do it this way. But God has a completely different plan. He said, you've got to stay in Jerusalem. 
until this promise is fulfilled. They didn't realize Jesus was going to fulfill it 10 days from then. And what was going to happen was that as all of Jerusalem was gathered together for the Feast of Weeks, a celebration 49 days after the first day of Passover, Jerusalem would be filled with people from all over the world. Because God had a plan to pour His Spirit out and to begin to have witnesses go out into all the earth from that one place. In fact, that's why we're sitting here right here today is because the gospel has not stayed where it was sent. The gospel has gone out into the ends of the world just as Jesus said it would. This is how we are to fulfill the Great Commission and how we ourselves are empowered by this Holy Spirit. That same Holy Spirit that was given to the disciples, the same Holy Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, is who lives inside of you. If you are a believer, that same Spirit is living and active in you. Now, as we consider this also, this isn't just, uh, He's giving us this, this Holy Spirit to, to have forever, but there's another promise in here. I love how Jesus keeps doing that, right? Every time we look at the scriptures, we see Jesus blessing, God blessing us, and there's always more blessing than we realize at first, isn't there? Every time we look, there's blessing upon blessing, grace upon grace, things we don't deserve. He just keeps pouring them out, pouring them out, pouring them out. These are the final words of Jesus as he left this earth. If that alone should make you realize how important what he's saying right here. These are the last words he chose to leave us with. As he's leaving this world, for us, the last thing he spoke is that you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses to the ends of the earth. And then as he's taken up into the clouds, again, hard to even imagine that happening. And yet we find another promise, right? We know that the way the church is going to carry out this mission is the fact that we are empowered by God, enabled by God, secured in God, sealed in God. We know this is all dependent on him. We are guaranteed success as his church because he will not fail. But then another promise he gives us As he goes. The two angels, the messengers, they said, This Jesus whom you saw go into heaven. Where's Jesus right now? He's ascended into heaven. As Paul told Timothy that there is only one God and that there is one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. This man, Christ Jesus, is seated at the right hand of the Father, mediating between man and God, interceding for us, living forevermore on our behalf before the Father. But here's the promise. As we go, as we go in His name, as we go to make disciples, as we walk in His power, that life-transforming power of the Holy Spirit with His gospel to grow His church, He does not leave us alone. The angels promised, they said, that this Jesus whom you saw ascend into heaven will return the same way you saw him go. Church, you need to understand that one day 
the Lord will return the same way he left. There is coming a day when Jesus will once and for all put an end for all time to sin, to Satan, to death, and even to hell itself gets thrown into the lake of fire according to the book of Revelation. That one day Jesus will return and put all of this to an end. He will come back for his church. And for those who believe in him, who have received him, who believed in his name, right? As John said, he gave the right to become children of God. He takes us back with him. So that no matter what we face in this world, you need to understand two things. Number one, that he is with you always. And that number two, one day he is coming back for his bride. And where he is, we shall be. We need to understand that because of Christ, because of what he did on that cross, everything about our lives is different. Christ died to sin, you died to sin. Christ gave you a new heart and he gave you his very spirit. You are redeemed, renewed, regenerated, restored, washed in the Holy Spirit. Not only that, you're baptized into him fully, constantly always being washed and renewed by him. The living water itself is in you, cleansing you always. God has called you to be his very own. He has called you to be a vessel for his mercy and his gospel to bring dead people to life in Christ. He is with you and he always will be. Amen? Let us pray. Our Heavenly Father, Lord, we... Thank you so much for this gift. God, as we consider the final words of Jesus before he left this world, the last things that that he left with his followers and his disciples, God, you promised not to leave us alone, and you didn't leave us alone. But instead, you gave yourself to us fully through your Holy Spirit who lives inside each believer walking with us at all times, God, comforting with us, assuring us, upholding us, sealing us until the day of redemption. We are never alone because you have given yourself to us. God, we live a life that is fully baptized into you, fully immersed into your grace and goodness. Lord, may we live as those who have died to sin with Jesus, having nothing to do with those old and dead ways, those sinful ways. They've been nailed to the cross. We don't live in those things. We live in you. We live in faith. We walk by your Holy Spirit. God, I pray that you would stir within us God, stir those waters of eternal life in us. I ask your Holy Spirit to move in us, God. Move in this place. Move in everything we're doing, God. We want to see you in all things. I pray that you would help people turn away from old and destructive habits. Turn us away from sin, God. Turn us to good things. Turn us to right relationships. Turn us to pursuing heavenly thoughts. 
and help us be bold witnesses of your gospel and your mercy everywhere we go. In Troop, in Texas, the United States, to the ends of the earth. May your Holy Spirit move and bring people to life that the name of your Son, Jesus, may be magnified and glorified above all others. Lord, we love you. We thank you. We celebrate you. We pray all this in the name of our Lord, Savior, and King Jesus. Amen.